Now, let me ask you a question. Yeah. How did we do an hour on nerd dad and never talk about being a dad? You want to talk about being, let's talk about being a dad. If you got time, let's do it. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks for everything. <laughs> Affirmative. That was definitely an e-ticket. I can't believe all the new gadgets they've got now. For a while, we didn't even have a house phone. Not to mention laser discs, high-def TV. You are listening to The Great Big Beautiful Podcast. This week on the show... Every now and then, I'll walk up and say, I, look, I, I know you think I might be kind of a weird homeless guy, but uh, <laughs> I actually was Raphael. No way. Man. What's your name? Rob Paul. Shut up. I know who you are. Oh, my God. It's Raphael. Oh, my God. It's going to selfie. And it's fantastic and humbling and all of that. And, and the bottom line is nostalgia is nostalgia. And whether mm-hmm. it's good or bad, it makes you feel good and you want to share it with your children. Yeah. That's great. Here are your hosts, Jamie Green and Justin Connors. Welcome to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at the GBB Podcast. Find us on Facebook at the GBB Podcast. And we are all over the Geek Dad website. (laughs) Go get all of our episodes on iTunes. We're just going to promote the crap out of this right off the top. Do it. (laughs) Do it. Promote it. Promote it, promote it. So this week, um, we're kind of going back a little bit to our childhood and bringing nostalgia up. And do you remember how great cartoons, and this is just me talking, how great cartoons were when we were young? Disney Afternoons. Yeah, you know. Batman, the animated series. So here's the thing. Okay, Batman, I will give you. Batman is, I still think, the, I used to say it was the greatest animated show ever made. Right. And I still think that it's in the top three. Right. Um, I mean, you hear that we're at the age now where we're like the surly old get off of my lawn. Yeah, exactly. You know? And it's like cartoons were better back in back my day. Back in my day. <laughs> and they were and they weren't. You know, I mean, we look at them like you were saying. We look at them through this this lens of nostalgia. And mm-hmm. it's like we have such fond memories of coming home after school and watching the Disney afternoon. You right. Know? So we got the gummy bears and DuckTales and Tailspin and all those shows. Darkwing Duck. <clears throat> And Darkwing Duck. But if you, I mean, many of those shows, and I'm not singling out the Disney Afternoon, but many right. of the shows that we remember from our childhood don't really hold up that well. I remember, case in point, I remember as a kid loving the Snorks. And did you ever see the Snorks? I, I, not, it doesn't come to mind. I know what okay. it is, but. They're like the underwater Smurfs. Right, right, right. You know, yep. they've got like these appendages on their heads. Mm-hmm. Basically, they're underwater Smurfs. Yep. Um, and I remember loving them. And then a few years back when my kids were really little, um, I found them. It was like on TV or something. And so I, I DVR'd a few or I found a disc. I don't remember what happened. And I popped it in. And I said, oh, you guys are going to love this. And we sat down <laughs> to watch the Snorks. And it was awful. I mean, I've probably seen worse television, but it was not entertaining in the way that I remembered it right, being. Right, right. Um, and so I'm. I think it's unfair to say that cartoons today are not the way that they were then. Mm-hmm. We don't have Saturday morning cartoons anymore. That's for sure. Right. But I think that there are some phenomenal animated shows out there. Right. We've got Avatar and you've got Korra 
and you've got Star Wars Rebels and you've got some of the other, you know, the Marvel, the superhero shows that are out there, the Justice League. You know, I mean, there have been over the last five years, there have been some phenomenal mm-hmm. Young Justice, you know, some phenomenal right. animated series. Well, even if you go back to the generations before when we were kids uh, and they still are like I still if I catch a Flintstones marathon, I'm watching oh, yeah. the Jetsons. I'm there. I'm sitting and I'm watching it for hours. Absolutely, and, me too. I mean, I love the Jetsons. Johnny Quest. <laughs> I, Johnny Quest is before my time, but it was on TV when it was I was on like, Cartoon Network, right? Yeah, I mean, I've got the box set now, and my kids like it. You know, mm-hmm. we'll sit down and we'll just watch a few episodes of Johnny Quest because it's right. it's just that awesome. Right. So we're talking to, and speaking of nostalgic, <laughs> yeah, kind of segue into who we're talking to today. Um, I'll never forget. Like, there's a few moments in your life that kind of stand out to you, and I'll never forget the first two times I saw Pinky in the Brain on Animaniacs. And a lot of people to this day, Pinky and the Brain were so memorable that a lot of people that don't even remember that they were inside of another television show, they think they just stood alone. That's how, you know what I mean? That's how, that's how great. It was always just Pinky in the Brain. Yes, exactly. They were just the segment on Animaniacs. Exactly. And, and you don't know how many people that, when I bring it up, they're just like, oh yeah, that, that show Pinky in the Brain, you know, and they, it's just a testament to how how great the show was. And we're talking to Rob Paulson. Oh, I supposed to take it up. <laughs> I didn't I didn't know where I was going. And we're talking to Rob Paulson today. And Jamie, why don't you tell us a little bit about him? Uh, I don't even know where to begin. I mean, Rob Paulson is one of those guys who, if you go to his IMDb page, it'll you'll just keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. I mean, he has voiced over the past. 30 years, something like that. He has voiced hundreds, literally, no joke, you know, no exaggeration, hundreds of characters. Mm-hmm. He is, as you mentioned, probably best known as Pinky from Pinky and the Brain. He was Yakko on Animaniacs. Uh, he was Raphael in the original 80s uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. On the show that's on TV now, he's Donatello. So he's one half of the Ninja Turtles, you know, <laughs> depending on how you look at it. Um, he was the mask on the animated series. He was Gusto Gummy. He was Pete Jr. from, you know, Goof Troop in the Goofy movie. He was Snow Job and Tripwire on G.I. Joe. If you're a, if you're a Joe fan, you know, I mean, he's he, if there was a show you remember from any point between like 1985 to today, chances are really good that he was involved somehow. If he wasn't a main character, he at least, you know, he appeared in, a, in an episode or two as some background character or as a, you know, a, a recurring character. Uh, he's one of those guys who is just, he's been around, not forever, but he, he's an industry legend at this point just for the, the, the sheer number of characters he's, he's voiced and the number of iconic characters that he's brought to life. Right, and... We're going to play this interview for you. Also, pay attention because he's also in a major, one of the most major motion pictures of all time. He did some voice work. We, <laughs> we found out about it today. It was kind of, I, th- I think, Jamie, did that catch you by surprise? Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that. I mean, yeah. I know, I knew he had been, again, this, it's a live action movie, what you're talking right. about. He, I don't, he did not appear on screen. He no. just did some voice work for background characters. Um, but it is not an animated movie and yeah, and I had no idea. And and we're not going to tell you which one because we're totally clickbaiting you. You have to listen. (laughs) Well, they've already collected this point. (laughs) You have to listen to it now. Scroll through it and find it. All right, guys, we're going to play the interview right now. First of all, Rob, thank you so much for taking the time. It's a it's a pleasure to have you here, and uh, 
we've both been huge fans of yours for probably even longer than we realized there were actually people behind those voices <laughs> we were watching on TV. <laughs> well, thank you guys. That's really uh, very kind of you to say, and um, uh, all that that just re reinforces the fact that I'm getting older, which I suppose, <laughs> which I suppose beats the alternative. So uh, It does beat I, the alternative, but that's not what I meant. <laughs> no, I know you didn't, and I appreciate your kind remarks. I've been an incredibly lucky fellow for yeah. uh, Well, for I mean, o- over the years, I mean, you've voiced hundreds of, of characters, and I'm just curious, is there a difference in your approach for when you have to come up with a new voice for a new character versus sort of mimic one that already exists and is well known, whether you're, if you're taking over for somebody who already established a character. Oh, that's a great question. Uh, in terms of, of um, well, probably in terms of the preparation um, and, 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 and contextually, I guess, I mean, I try not to make this too, you know, make it sound more, more um, uh, fancy schmancy than it is. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, if I were to take over for an existing character, and I, it, it, as I recall, the only thing, time I've ever done that and that I recollect in something that was already pretty established was one of the very, very first shows I did that was a big deal for me, certainly, was um, Johnny Quest. Mm-hmm. And um, you guys weren't even around, but when I was a kid, Johnny Quest was a big deal on ABC, I believe. I think it was a, and it was a primetime show. I'm, I, I don't know if younger people realize mm-hmm. that primetime animation like you know we have on Fox right. is, is not a new phenomenon. That um, We had that in the uh, 60s and 70s with Johnny Quest and a show called Wait Till Your Father Gets Home, The Flintstones. Those Flintstones, were all primetime yeah. animated shows. Um, and uh, in those days, Johnny Quest, oddly enough, was voiced by Tim Matheson. Um, and he had, as you may recall, a sidekick, a uh, little Indian boy, Middle mm-hmm. Eastern boy named Haji. Mm-hmm. And um, I was able to, um, was lucky enough to voice Haji in the second iteration of the show that was also produced by Hanna-Barbera, who produced the original mm. show in the early 60s. Um, and so that was one of those where I essentially matched the voice. Right. Um, but I'm not really good at that. Uh, for instance, when, a, when, a, when an actor passes away and you have a franchise character like Mickey right. or uh, Goofy or something, thank God the actors who are doing it now are all very healthy, but... I wouldn't even waste Disney's time um, <laughs> because I, I just I don't have that skill set. I'm much better at creating my own. I'm a pretty good um, mimicker, not an impressionist. Uh, Maurice LaMarche and Kevin Michael Richardson and Billy West and John DiMaggio, those guys are way, 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 Frank Welker, way out of my league. And yeah. Jeff Bennett, another one. Um, super, super good at that, and I'm not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm smart enough to know what I'm not very smart at, and that that is one of them. But yeah, so if I'm if I if I do take over, then it's about the context and trying to um, honor the character and and the relationships that that character has with the other characters in that show or series, um, versus coming up with something that's original like Pinky or Yakko or whatever. Right. Um, then the context is a little different because everybody is new and different. Right. Um, Animaniacs was a, um, or as an example, was a clean sheet of paper, literally. And so everybody was kind of st- at the same starting point. Johnny Quest uh, was an example in which I had, you know, a pretty good idea of what Haji sounded like and how he behaved and all of that. And so I just did an impression of, um, I think the guy's name, actor who played Haji in the original show was a guy named Danny Bravo. 
Okay. Um, I never met him. I think he was Canadian, oddly enough, and I, I don't hmm. know him. I don't know that he did anything else, but certainly they wanted me to sound as much like the original sure. as possible, right. and and so I did. But yeah, it, it's a little different, but still the bottom line is um, you just try to make uh, choices that are um, interesting and, and they're in the context of what the creators want, and hopefully you do it well enough so they don't fire you. <laughs> so generally speaking, when you're given a brand new character, um, how much information do they give you? Do you get an illustration or a backstory or anything like that? Or they just say, oh, yeah. we need um, a voice? <laughs> yes, as much as possible. If it's a brand new show, then um, uh, absolutely. They, they often uh, come up with something called a Bible for the show, which is essentially what um, you would think. It's a, it's a, a compendium of of all the characters, their relationships to one another, um, usually a couple of, uh, I mean, every, every character has a, a, a several-dimensional um, rendering, whether it's uh, 2D drawing or uh, CGI. So you get, you know, how they look when they're happy and mad or, or uh, screaming or yelling or singing or crying or whatever. Mm -hmm. So you get an idea of, the, of what the artists are able to do. And then uh, once you kind of get rolling in the show, the writers tend to write a bit differently if the characters become a success. You know, I mean, um, Pinky and the Brain was an example where once the show kind of became its own entity, the writers would would not only write for the characters, but they knew the idiosyncrasies that Maurice LaMarche and I had, um, that we would, you know, things that we would do to tweak the characters to make them our own, and so they would write Accordingly, Jimmy Neutron was the same way. Um, mm -hmm. The writers did a great job. That that's a really great example to me of where I played a character called Carl Weezer, the little, the little fat guy, on, um, <laughs> Jimmy, and that was a great show. But they did a very, very good job of rendering the character to work with the affectations and the and the um, uh, traits that I that you brought, brought to, to the it. Character. Yeah, and then they would write accordingly and it was really good if you look at um uh if you look at jimmy neutron and, and carl specifically um sort of halfway through the run of the, i think we did like 100 episodes and then the 30s and 40s um episodes um from then on i think it became really more in a, it's a it's a hackneyed fancy schmancy phrase but the character definitely became a little more organic and and uh uh, it was pretty seamless, in my yeah. view. I thought the animators did a brilliant job, and the writers also did um, a great job of, of writing to my strengths. Mm -hmm. um, and, it, and it pays off, because I think that's one of those shows that, you know, young folks or people can watch, even older folks, people like animation. Jimmy Neutron's a great show. Yeah. Very mm -hmm. clever. Um, it doesn't condescend the audience, and the and Carl's a cool character. And I'm just the actor. I mean, I don't write them and I don't draw them. So, those, you know, it really is a, a deeply collaborative effort. Um, yeah. And I, I think the, the characters that that uh, convey, what am I, that's not the right word, characters that, that last a, a long time and that become iconic, I don't know that, you know, my characters, and I say my in quotes, the characters that I've had the pleasure of working on have yet become iconic. And I think oh, I think so. Some well, of thank them. you. It may be a question of time, but you know, Bugs or or, or Daffy, yeah. or Rocky, Bullwinkle, all those characters are beautifully executed from every aspect, and uh, and and they are relevant because 
just like any good movie. You know, you can watch Pride of the Yankees or or uh, Wizard of Oz or um, uh, Chinatown or uh, whatever you want. If it's well-produced, well-acted, um, well-constructed, the story is solid, then they last. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why people can watch Animaniacs and Thinking the Brain 20 years later and say, God, the music still holds up. Um, it was written on, those shows were written very specifically and absolutely on purpose for adults and children, mm-hmm. not to condescend to the audience. Um, and I, I think it shows out the, it shows the genius of Steven Spielberg and Tom Ruger and the people who created that stuff because yeah. it was absolutely on purpose. So people your age can watch those shows now and say, holy shit, I didn't get that when I was nine. Yeah. I just liked hearing United States, Canada, Mexico, Canada, but now I get it. Yeah. That is on purpose. Yeah, it's funny. I, I just started, re- well, relatively recently re-watching them with my kids, mm-hmm. and we're both enjoying it. And again, it's, you know, some we laugh at the same jokes, and sometimes it's for the same reason. Sometimes it's because I get them at a different level. Totally right. But the show, I was actually surprised, because I hadn't seen it since I was much younger. Yeah. And it really does hold up. And I was really surprised at how well it holds up today. The jokes well, still thanks, work. Jamie, I, I, and I agree with you. And, I, and as I say, I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm, I'm pretty much able to be objective. It's, it, I, I, it's long enough now that we haven't done one. And <laughs> since, I think Pink in the Brain was the last one we recorded was in 1999. So it's been long enough that although they're dear to me, that I can be a pretty objective. And, and I, my ego, if nothing else, my ego is in, in check. And I have no problem when somebody says, oh, that's pretty awful. And I say, yeah, you're right. And, I, you know, we, not everybody does everything that knocks it out of the park. But um, Animaniacs and Pinky and the Brain, the, ma- uh, the Mask to some extent, The Tick certainly, mm-hmm. uh, Jimmy Neutron, um, those shows, and then some of the Disney afternoon stuff, Darkwing Duck, um, even Gummy Bears and, the other, another Warner Brothers shows, Tiny Toons. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a show called uh, Tasmania. Um, if you can watch those shows, they hold up beautifully. Yeah. And I recall when we were doing them, thinking, "Oh yeah, oh man, these guys really know what they're doing." This is something and special. And by the yeah. same token, if you go and watch, and even if you haven't, if your children haven't watched Rocking Bullwinkle or mm-hmm. the Flintstones, mm-hmm. or those shows were very hip and topical for the time, and um, and they hold up well too oh absolutely um, you know so uh um i it, it is by design and it's um I, i'm kind of rambling and got off point but but <laughs> uh, yeah the, you know it it it's um it, it is um meant when you have the time and you have talent on both sides of the glass and you have a guy like right. steven spielberg running the show and you can have 40 pieces in every half hour for the music and it, it is a it is a unique experience and and um holds up yeah that that reminds me of uh, this is a little further along in our question but you mentioned it so i just wanted to bring it up here often i get nostalgic about remembering the animated shows from when i was a kid the disney afternoons a teenage mutant ninja turtles and then even further back scooby-doo and flintstones and jetsons and stuff like that it doesn't take me long until i start asking why we don't seem to have shows like this and i'm wondering am i being unfair and just looking through a nostalgic lens or are we really not hitting that mark anymore with the current animated television? Well, you know that's a that's a really that is a very intelligent question, and I and I uh, Josh and I and I I think I yes and no if I if I can be a little sure. bit trite. And, yeah. and the reason I say that is because every generation um, I submit has their special stuff. When I was a kid, 
and I'm a big, you know, rock and roll fan. I got my start as a singer in rock and roll bands and, and all of that. I learned how to read music and that kind of propelled me doing stage work. But I remember my parents, fortunately, my parents were not so averse to uh, averse to me and my siblings listening to popular music that they put the kibosh on it. They were like, look, if you want to listen to Led Zeppelin and the Beatles and The Who and Emerson, Lincoln, Palmer, and Steely Dan, you can do that, but you also have to listen to Prokofiev and Shostakovich and mm-hmm. Mahler, and, and, you know, and I have a deep, deep appreciation for, well, for all styles of music, whether it's bluegrass, I love Doc and Merle Watson as much as I love, uh, you know, um, Bruno Mars, yeah. and good stuff is good stuff, um, but, you know, it, it, there, there's a great song in, in, Bye Bye Birdie, and, and uh, you know, the song The song is called What's the Matter with Kids Today? And, of course, the hook is, why can't they be like we were perfect in every way? What's <laughs> the matter with kids today? And and every generation has that, whether it's their um, sort of um, social mores or things like their entertainment. Mm-hmm. Boy, they don't make them like they used to. And, and we would hear the same thing. I think that there's certainly in my lifetime, I'm almost 60, so I'm old enough to pretty much be your parents. And <laughs> I I went certainly went through a period where I thought, wow, this is essentially a half-hour commercial to sell action figures. Right, and, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I have to say, Ninja Turtles, the first iteration of Ninja Turtles was, was like that in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. And when, you, when I go back, my son is 31 and was a turtle fanatic, yeah. I mean a freak. Um, and it was, a, as a side note, really lovely thing to be able to, for both of us, I think, mm, for his yeah, old man, yeah. Raphael, and for, for my kid, you know, to have a little boy. It was yeah. huge fun. Um, but when I go back and watch Ninja Turtles, especially the later couple of seasons, and I kind of go through them, or they show up on TV, and it kind of catches my eye, and I say, oh, yeah, I was glad over that episode. And sometimes the animation is awful. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, they have Raphael uh, coming... the voice coming out of Donatello's mouth because the mask color is different, whatever. I mean, it's just, and certainly it got to a point, I think, where they were ringing every last nickel of, of um, uh, interest out of the show to sell another action figure. And that's fine. I'm a capitalist. I get it. I totally mm-hmm. understand that. But um, at the same time, um, you know, there were uh, other shows just beginning Transformers, G.I. Joe, um, that spawned an incredible uh, amount of um, interest. And to the extent that, you know, there's every two or three years, there's another Transformers movie coming out, and a whole new mm-hmm. generation loves them. So I, I don't, I mean, I know we didn't have nearly the adult animation that we have now. The stuff that people get away with on, on Family Guy and American Dad yep. and The Simpsons would never, 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 not only never have flown on television, but it never would have gotten that far. Right. Never. Um, and, and honestly, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think that all it does is make people like you have to be more responsible parents. Right. Because, <laughs> you know, you can't, you, you guys have to contend with the internet and computers and, and uh, 18,000 different satellite channels. We mm-hmm. never had to do that. You know, there were three networks and local TV and you would never have sexual references or overt homosexual references or anything like that that we're used to now, um, and, and it, look, I'm, you know, I'm, my brother is gay and my son is married to a black woman, so I'm, I'm <laughs> fine with, you know, whatever you want to put out there. I, it's not a judgment call. It's just something that I, I, I also understand, having come from the Midwest, 
that there are a lot of people between Los Angeles and New York, or between, if you will, mm-hmm. Vancouver and Toronto, who, you know, who, nece- who, who don't have the same sensitivity yeah. to, to certain things. And, 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 by, and, and so you have to be aware of that. Anyway, my point is that uh, I, I think that through the lens of nostalgia, you look at stuff and you go, God, that was so great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not as great as, as things were, are, are today. And then you take a look at some of the stuff that's out there, like the animated features that are that are coming right. out every other week, some of them are unbelievable. Oh, for sure. My God, you know, um, what's the one with Amy Poehler? The, the just Inside Out? Out? Yeah. Spectacular. Unreal, isn't it? <laughs> oh, my God. And we didn't have any of that when I was a kid. You know, you had the occasional Disney feature, and they were always marvelous, and they clearly stood the test of time. But we didn't have nearly the, the amount of, there are 24-hour animation channels, stuff on YouTube, um, proprietary stuff. I'm doing three separate shows now for uh, um, DreamWorks that are specifically for Netflix, not for broadcast any other place. Yeah. So you have all mm-hmm. these different platforms and stuff. And I, I think it just depends on how hard you want to look. Um, I know that I remember as a kid kind of liking Speed Racer, and when I watch mm-hmm. it now, I think, what was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> it's awful. It's, it's, the animation is bad. The uh, <laughs> acting, in my you know, view, is bad. But it is a, an iconic show and sells T-shirts, and people feel good about wearing a Speed Racer T-shirt. Man, mm-hmm. I, I see people all the time in original Ninja Turtles T-shirts, and every now and then, I'll walk up and say, I, look, I, I know you think I might be kind of a weird homeless guy, but uh, <laughs> I actually was Raphael. No way, man. What's your name? Rob Paulson. Shut up. I know who you are. Oh, my God. I'm Raphael. Oh, my God. It's going to sell me. And it's fantastic and humbling and all of that. And, and the bottom line is nostalgia is nostalgia. And whether mm-hmm. it's good or bad, it makes you feel good and you want to share it with your children, yeah. that's great. It is, yeah. it, is, um, uh, it is rare that you have, that you have a show. I may be, you know, maybe um, so bold to say to, to do a show like Animaniacs, where you have great music, uh, interesting animation, interesting stories, um, Steven Spielberg, music, blah 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 blah. That's rare, yeah, sure. you know. And um, so, I, you guys, I presume you're in your 30s. You guys were born at a time in which animation really just began booming, mm-hmm. and so now you have. An incredible amount of stuff from which to choose, and you're probably in the same age range as my kid. And my son, when he was a kid, loved the Muppets and Sesame Street and Big mm-hmm. Bird, and you know I could watch that all the time. I loved it. If my kid had come around a little earlier and had, a, or a little later, sorry, and had to watch Teletubbies and Barney, I'd have <laughs> shut the gun in my mouth. Oh my God! And, and and I understand as a parent, I understand why those shows work. Mm-hmm. I understand that they're rudimentary and that they help children understand the building blocks of reading and writing. And I get that. But in terms of having to sit down and watch something with your kid, hell, I'd rather much rather watch Animaniacs or, or, or mm-hmm. um, uh, the Muppets yeah. than Barney. No. Yeah. <laughs> We're on the same page. I yeah, think. I yeah. think so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if knowing what you know now and how, the two shows affected your life and your career. If you had to go back and choose to do only Turtles or only Animaniacs, how would you choose? Boy, I've never been asked that question. What a great <laughs> question. You know, see, 
Uh, jo Josh, Jamie's not as stupid as you told me. He was. <laughs> he was really an idiot. Um, I think if I had to make a choice, I would probably choose Animaniacs only because I really like singing more than anything. I love to sing. And uh, I'd had the pleasure of working with Steven Spielberg and a couple of other things. I worked with him on a show. He did a live-action show because I came to L.A., ostensibly to do live action, and I did, um, TV and you know, a few movies and a lot of commercials. But I worked, he hired me on a show he did called Amazing Stories. Um, I did a lot of voice work on E.T. And um, so I'd already had the great good fortune of working with Mr. Spielberg on a couple which, of things. Uh, what, I don't mean to interrupt, but what did you do on E.T.? Oh, my God, I did a bunch of voices of doctors. And, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. And I remember at the time we, did, we worked on it, it was 1982-ish. Um, at the time, the movie was entitled A Boy's Life, hmm. and we we did all the post-production work that, that I was involved in over at Universal Studios um, on a soundstage in which the Stephen was there, but the creature, whenever E.T. showed up on the screen, the creature was blacked out. Hmm. We had to sign non-disclosure agreements, and, and he wanted to make sure that nobody saw the creature, and I totally understand that, you know. Um, but it's pretty fun now. You know, every now and then I'll get a little residual check for 37 cents. For <laughs> it's pretty cool to have been involved with something like that. But the point was, I, I had the great good fortune of working with Mr. Spielberg. I'm thinking he was absolutely delightful to everybody uh, with, with, who was, you know, at any recording session, myself included. Um, so when you, and that is not to, uh, not to, you know, take the piss out of Ninja Turtles, man. I'm a, I'm a turtle again. 25 right. years later, so mm -hmm. you're you know you're you're talking to one incredibly fortunate middle-aged white guy, but um, the, the 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 and I remember telling Tress McNeil on more than one occasion, "Wow, we man, this is as good as it gets." Unless you're on The Simpsons, and of course Tress is, but unless you get on The Simpsons, this is as good as it gets. You have Steven Spielberg, Tom Ruger, Gene McCurdy, Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers, you know, the home of Bugs and Daffy and Tweety and all of that. And you have Stephen's name and his talent, and we get 40, 40 world-class musicians in Hollywood to play music in every half hour. Mm -hmm. And then we've got Maurice and myself and Frank Welker and Billy West and, and Jeff Bennett and Jess Harnell and Tress McNeil and Nancy Cartwright and Bernadette Peters. And I got on and on and on and on and on, and it just, it just didn't get any better. So I think if I had to make a choice then that would be it because it ticked every box, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. And it was a successful show um, for the sake, for its own sake. That is to say, the, the, the fact that they had the Warner Brothers Studio stores notwithstanding, there was relatively little merchandise that went along with Animaniacs and Thinking the Brain. Yeah, T-shirts and right. cookie jars and stuff like that. But It, it wasn't, wasn't the juggernaut that Turtles was. Yeah, it wasn't driven by that. And that, either way, it's fine, you know, with me. So you have something, and, and the, to this day... Um, I don't care if I'm talking to a professional athlete or somebody in a restaurant, whatever. Once people find out who I am and what I do or what I did, and that particular show comes up, either Animaniacs or Pinky the Brain, I mean, they really get excited. It's mm -hmm. not like they just mm -hmm. kind of go, hey, that was a cool show. They just go, oh, my God, I yeah. love that show. <laughs> people are very much they, attached to it. Totally. Do you still know the countries of the world, and you still talk to Yakko, Yakko, God, and all, you know, and, and so... Um, it's, it's a, it's a, it, it was a, um, not only a, a watershed moment for my career, but it's a, it is a, it is a really, really good show. And I think important in the sort of cultural, um, entertainment landscape, you know? Sure. Um, so 
and, but turtles is too. I just think from a personal reference, a personal point of view, and it was a great question. Thank you. Um, yeah. That I, I would certainly have to say that only because I got to do a whole lot of music um, with people who are still working today. You know, Maurice has now won two Emmys for his work on Futurama, and mm-hmm. Press has done over 500 Simpsons, and so you look at all the people who were kind of really in the middle of of their careers, and now we're all in our late 50s and our mid 60s in some cases. Frank's going to be 70. And and you look at that group of actors in that circumstance, and it doesn't get much better. Yeah. Well, you mentioned you mentioned music and and the countries of the world, the nations of the world song. How many times do you think that you've sung it at this point? Oh my God! I well, let's see. <laughs> One thousand seven hundred sixty-two. No, sixty-three. Um, do you ever get tired know. of it? Like I'm, Never, I know when you when you do when you do panels. That's sort of like a, a, a mainstay of your panel appearance. People just want to hear you do it. Absolutely, John. No, I never get tired of it. And the problem is when people stop asking. <laughs> Fair <laughs> well, enough. I, I, have been, um, I have been incredibly, incredibly fortunate on many, many levels for, uh, in many ways, and not the least of which are things like this. You two guys are nice enough to take time out of your day to talk to me and, and and make me feel special and all of that. And I'm very clear. I understand that the characters are the, are the movie stars. I'm part of the uh, part of the equation, and I'm good at my job. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I people don't stand in line to see the next Rob Paulson cartoon because <laughs> it's my voice. I, I'm not, it's not false modesty. I'm good at my gig. But it's, it's different, and I mm-hmm. totally get that the characters are the stars. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I am always happy to do that song and randy rogel who wrote that and wrote the lion's share of the songs that you guys would remember from animaniacs um it's pretty cool because as an, another way another illustration of how that show has held up um we got permission from steven spielberg and warner brothers a couple of years ago to take a musical show a musical animaniacs sort of evening with type of show around and do it with symphony orchestras and i gotta tell you man when you see uh, are you? What we'll do is have like a giant fifty-foot screen in the yeah. background, and and um, the you know the, the cartoons played in real time. So when you hear the band, you know, go dun 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 dun, United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama, with the in real time to the cartoon with an eighty-piece yeah. orchestra, it's mind blowing. <laughs> and um, and the music holds up great. Uh, and and every time that song is done, people stand up. Yeah, yeah they just do. And I don't care if it's in the middle of the show or done as an encore. Um, and that is not only a testament to the strength of the show, but really Randy. Randy Rogel is is um, pretty remarkable talent. Um, and again, kind of hitting on what I was talking about earlier, where we're all still doing our gig, and that group of actors was a group that, that was not just destined to do one thing. You know, they've all gone on. Randy now is, uh, he and I, as I say, we take our show around, but Randy's, God, working on... 7D for Disney, and he's writing a, a musical version of Parenthood with um, Ron Howard's company with Bob Lou Mandel and Lowell Gans, and, and uh, he wrote a song in Rio 2 that uh, Kristen Chenoweth sang, and I mean, the guy's, you know, yeah. kicking ass, yeah. and he's never slowed <laughs> down. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, it, I never get tired of singing that song, and um, um, inevitably I'll meet somebody who says, hey, I know the whole thing, and usually one or, you know, whenever I do a live appearance, I'll say, okay. And there will be people standing around, okay, everybody, fire up your cell phones. <laughs> Here we go. Myself and my buddies Jamie and uh, Josh, we're going to sing Country of the World. And they're so adorable, and they get all nervous, and they blow through it, and it's, or they, you know, they 
fall apart at Lithuania, yeah. and then we pick it back up, and it's it's really it's really fun. But you know, the the thing is that I, I can't get tired of it because it, it is a um, a pure expression of love and admiration for something that I was lucky enough to work on and get paid to do. Mm-hmm. So I think it would be incredibly inappropriate for me to even remotely be uh, uh, tired of frustrated. It. Yeah. No, I'm 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 a pretty pretty happy guy about doing that stuff. I assume Pinky is probably the voice that you're most often asked to do when people meet you. But um, what are the other popular characters? And have you ever have you ever been surprised? Like, has somebody asked you to do somebody that like you maybe forgot that you even did? Yeah, I had a guy a while back. I think it was a, I was a personal appearance, and he said, "He said I love Bubsy the Bobcat," and I said. <laughs> That's what he needs right there. Yeah, man. (laughs) Do you do you ever think that the the animated world is? Do you think we're ever going to see another duo as perfect as you and Maurice? Oh, bless your heart, boy. That's very sweet, and and, uh, I I don't know, man. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I remember when my son was little, and you know, Beavis and Butthead was really popular. Yeah, of course, he was in an age where my wife and I were like. Beavis and Butt is why do we say, well, screw it, you know, you're not, you can't keep him from it. Go ahead and watch it. And he watched, I think, three or four episodes, and and then, you know, he kind of thought, oh, well, it's going to be about farts and boobs, and, and okay, I get it. What's yeah. next? <laughs> and, and so I think that, uh, and that's no s- 
swipe at Mike Judge. I mean, you know, he did uh, King of the Hill, and he's an incredibly gifted fellow. Um, but uh, Pinky and the Brain is a it, it is a good relationship. It is a great two character punch, um, and it does stand the test of time. And when Maurice and I do personal appearances together, like an afternoon with or an evening with type of thing, mm-hmm. I mean, we easily get four or five hundred people to come out and, and hear mm-hmm. Pinky and the Brain. Not only do you know chunks of old scripts, but we'll do Who's on First, and Al, you know we'll do the Abbott and Costello thing as Pinky and the Brain. It's freaking hysterical. <laughs> Works beautifully. I have to um, hear that sometime. <laughs> oh my god, it's available on YouTube. Okay, um, I'll be there. In fact, we did it at Sketchfest in San Francisco, which <laughs> I happen to be going to on Saturday for the day to teach a workshop. But uh, yeah, Google uh, Maurice Lamarche. Uh, it's on YouTube. Maurice Lamarche or Pinky and the Brain doing Who's on First. It's pretty good, man. And then we did a couple <laughs> of scenes from. Uh, Pinky and the Brain doing scenes from, um, oh God, the Quentin Tarantino. Um, Reservoir Fiction. Dogs? Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Oh, Pulp Fiction. Pretty cool. <laughs> but anyway, um, I, I don't know. When you think about it, there, you know, Rocky and Bullwinkle was a pretty good one. Um, yeah. Um, in terms of two of duos, uh, comedy animation duos, I, I'm sure I'll, I'll be, you know, your listeners will think of something else, but I can think of Rocky and Bullwinkle right offhand, and then Pinky and the Brain, I think, is right up there. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I'm, and, I'm not saying that there weren't others before, yeah. and I'm just saying, like, I can't, you, since them, I'm not sure that I could name a duo that's just, I mean, there have been good ones, you know? Yeah. I, when I was younger, I was a big fan of Ren and Stimpy. Sure. But, you know, but I don't think that, I think that just, you know, you and Maurice, what you guys brought to Pinky and the Brain, they were just, they were the perfect partners. Well, thank you. And and I think that, um, and, and like Ren and Stimpy, Billy West is one of my dearest friends in the whole world and ultimately ended up doing both characters. And I yeah. think the difference is that, you know, Ren and Stimpy was a little more edgy and adversarial and and uh, slapsticky and all that, which Billy did beautifully. Mm-hmm. And and so did John Chris Felucci, you know, before Billy. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, Pinky and the Brain, there, there definitely is a love between those two characters, and it's exemplified really well in the Christmas. Um, there's a we did a, a, an episode of Pinky and the Brain Christmas, which is, uh, and it's not just that one, but that's a great example of, of of the love these characters have for one another. And I think that um, there's there has to be that to some extent, whether or not these characters have moments in which they want to beat the living daylights out of each other. You still have to care about them, and 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 I believe they have to care about each other. You know. Yeah. Um, and uh, Mo is, oh, boy, is he a talented guy. <laughs> he, he's remarkably gifted and, and uh, working every day. You know, he did, I don't know how many episodes of Futurama, which is done now, but um, um, he, uh, you know, is the voice of Lexus. And uh, he and I still get to go do all kinds of fun stuff together at, at um, different events. I remember when we were at, um, we had, Jess, Tress, myself, and, and Maurice, and, and I at uh, the uh, Salt Lake City Con, which was about 100,000 people. But when they had it the afternoon, so in the afternoon with, you know, Animaniacs, that is Pinky and the Brain and Yakko Africa, mm-hmm. we had 7,000 yeah. people in there, you guys. No, oh, I know. I've been to a couple of those. <laughs> oh, my God. And we just were, you know, we walked, I, I stuck my head out. With Curtin, I looked at Maurice and I said, are you freaking kidding me? This place is, there got to be 1,500 people out there. And the organizer laughed and he said, 1,500? That place holds 6,000 people and they're still coming in. And wow. we went out there and for an hour, 
everybody, whether it was the song or Narf. Or... I think so, Brian. But me and Pippi Longstocking, I mean, what would the children look like? You that, know, they just... that is my that's my favorite one. How about that? See, and I, mean, I channeled it, but, uh, but they, they loved it, and so it it doesn't matter. I, we could have done it in Toronto. We could have done it in um, mm-hmm. Florida. We could have done it in in you know London. Uh, the the um, those those characters are pretty special, and um, I. Uh, I have to say, man, Maurice is one of those, and Tress and Jess too. They're, you know, good. Whether athletes, actors, artists, people who are good at their craft tend to, you know, make a high tide sort of lifts all boats, and sure. all those actors make me way better. And I, and it just kind of um, happens, kind of, sort of exponentially. And even now, when we're all together, we're still, you know, able to do our gig. We haven't slowed down. We're, our brains, fortunately, aren't addled. We can still play off each other real well and boy it's it's a mm-hmm. huge joy to be up there with those people but i think that the audience really benefits it's, it's a pretty remarkable thing to see so when i was when i was reading uh just doing a little research before we were talking to you i came across a tweet and it, i don't know if it was recent or not uh mh willer tweeted to you and asked you have if you ever regretted doing the voice of Bubsy, and, and then he added for that terrible Bubsy cartoon pilot, and you answered not for a second. And, right. And I, I do, is that a general philosophy that you live yes. by that you regret nothing? Yes. I, 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 if I were to die, and I promise I'll wait till after the. <laughs> if I were to die today, um, I. I, I may have some regrets in my life, as we all do, but none of them with respect to the work that I've done because I was willing to take the money mm-hmm. that someone was willing to pay me. So I then believe in my... I believe that I forfeit the right to complain about it. Right. Um, I think that, uh, you know, nobody shoves a gun in your mouth to become a professional actor. And mm-hmm. so... Uh, if I'm willing to take somebody's money, and as I said earlier, you know, it's, it's not telling you anything you don't know. Nobody says I'm going to really take a, take five million dollars of somebody's money and right. screw this up. <laughs> um, so if I'm willing to take someone's check uh, on more than one occasion, often, you know, sometimes for years, and then residuals and all of that, and then go back and say, "Oh my God, what was I thinking?" Well, that I don't think that's fair. I mean, it wasn't like I was, you know, caught in a hotel room with Paris Hilton. It was it was a show that you know I look back and go that that wasn't a particularly good show, but in terms of me regretting it, not for a second. No, I um I uh, uh, am as grateful for the next job that I get as the several thousand that have come before it. Mm-hmm. And um, I uh, you know I was born in Detroit and raised in around Flint, Michigan, and I wanted to be a hockey player. And I learned very clearly that though I was a pretty good player <laughs> as a kid, and I learned pretty early. After that, by the time junior hockey came around, that I had no business trying to make a dime being a professional hockey player. As good as I thought I was in high school, well, then that, that's where it stopped. And right. um, um, so I have been um, incredibly fortunate. And uh, I, I think I remember that treat, a tweet, and I get that kind of question all the time live. Anything you regret work-wise? Nope, not a bit. And are there things that make you cringe? Absolutely. Sure. But that's... That goes without saying, and, and there are things you kind of go, maybe I shouldn't have done that or whatever. But once you make the choice to do it, then I, I don't have a regret, unless it was something really egregious and I should have known better. <laughs> but I don't think I have anything like that. I, I've, I've done some stuff that's a little bit, you know, I'm not a, 
I'm not a regular on Family Guy or anything like that, and I would love to be, and I'm not certainly a prude, but I do understand that there are characters that I've done that are very dear to people. And so Seth Green, who is now Leonardo on Turtles, is a very good friend. Right. And when Seth calls and, and wants me to come on Robot Chicken, you know, if he asks me to do something that sort of uh, is a blue version of Pinky and the Brain or a blue version of Animaniacs, which is in keeping with Robot Chicken, while I understand and appreciate that it will be funny, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's not appropriate for me to do it. That's an example where I know better. And and it's not because I'm a prude. They'll hire me for the show, and I do other stuff that is blue and a little off-color, and it's funny, and it's adult, and I'm grateful. But I also know, having traveled around the world, that there are people to whom those characters mean way more mm-hmm. than an action figure or, or, or just a, oh, I remember watching that show. Sometimes it's something that got them through their parents' divorce. Right. Sometimes it's something that got mom through chemotherapy for her breast cancer. Sometimes it's the only thing that, that uh, you know, a guy connected with and his, with his father, that they had this horrible relationship. But, man, when it came to Pinky in the Brain, they watched that show and laughed together, and now the old man is gone, and the guy says, wow, you know, I'm really glad we had that. So it would be terribly inappropriate for me to, to take, a, you know, a thousand bucks to find a way for, you know, Pinky to... Um, kill a hooker and put her in the trunk of a car. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it's not, and I get why it's, and, and Seth, because he's Seth and he's such a great guy, totally gets that. He'll say, no, nah, I just thought I would ask. You know, I, I would love to have you do this thing, but we're going to kind of take the piss out of Animaniacs. But you know, Rob, when John Hamm comes on the show, he loves to do the show, but he can't do Don Draper. Right. You know, we, we, we can't, he can't denigrate Mad Men because that show means too much to him and to his audience. So, um, um, uh, yeah, I, I'm. Uh, uh, I, I, once I take the money and once I sign on, then I don't. I, I don't regret it, and I, I. I'm hopeful that I. And of course, you know, my life's not over yet, but I hope that I have the temerity and the good sense to say, I see what you're doing. But if you want Pinky to read Fifty Shades of Grey, <laughs> I get it, and it might be really clever and funny, but I can't do it. Yeah. Right. You know. Yeah. I think. I think that's a great place to end it. I know we've, we've run up against your time. Well, um, thank you, but I, I, I hope I haven't rambled. Well, wait a minute. Take that back. I know no. I have rambled. <laughs> I hope I haven't bored you. Um, no, not at all. Not at all. This is just an absolute pleasure. This is so great to talk to you. I mean, we could we could do this easily for another hour. Oh, but, yeah. uh, well, that's great, and I'd, I'd love to come back. I, I just, uh, I'm in L.A., and it's still not um, uh, too dark yet or too late yet. I have a couple of errands i got to run before the, you know, the, the day's over, but I... Uh, I really, really am grateful that you guys have taken the time to squeeze me into your schedule and um, and uh, your audience uh, has paid attention. You know, I, I um, there's a great movie, um, old movie with Gary Cooper called Pride of the Yankees. And, yeah. Uh, where he plays Lou Gehrig, you know, and from some of your younger listeners may not know that Lou Gehrig was a baseball player for whom the <laughs> horrible disease was named, Lou Gehrig's mm-hmm. disease. Guy was cut down in his prime, and there's a great scene, and it's a true story, you know. And the great scene where, where um, Lou Gehrig is standing, uh, he's, he was the Iron Man of baseball, and finally was forced as a result of this horrible amyotrophic lateral sclerosis uh, to, to retire. And, and he says something like, You know, I, people say I've been dealt a, a raw deal, but you know, I got to tell you today, I feel like the luckiest man on the face of the earth. And with all due respect to Lou, I think you're talking to the luckiest man. <laughs> um, and it's for many reasons, not the least of which is that folks like you take the time to want to hear what a what a um, you know an old 
Fertile has to say. So uh, <laughs> thank you, guys. I really, really appreciate yeah. that. Well, like, like you say, like you say, laughter is the best medicine. <laughs> it is. And then I say the cool thing is you can't OD and the refills are free. That's right. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, it's true. Let me tell you, man, the older you get and the stuff that you go through and hopefully your lives will be as, 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 as free from uh, you know, sickness and sadness as possible. But every now and then, you know, things kind of, the shit hits the fan. And, boy, I'll tell you what, man. You don't have the ability to laugh at yourself, and, yeah. uh, and uh, it is a it is a miserable way to go. So yeah. I am. Um, it is the best medicine, and uh, and I uh, appreciate you guys watching and paying attention. And thanks so much to you and your listeners for uh, giving me an opportunity to make a living. I appreciate it. Well, that's it for this week on the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. We could have talked to him, I think, for another hour. We had so many more questions that we could have asked. I'll let you guys in on a little secret here. We, I mean, we don't, these are not off the cuff, obviously. We write these questions down and we Mm -hmm. do our research. But for this, and usually I would say that we we get through at least 90% of the questions that we have. We're we're pretty good about estimating how many we're going to get through. Mm -hmm. Rob, um, not even exaggerating, I think we only got through half the questions. So we hopefully picked the best ones and we picked the most interesting ones. Um, but yeah, we easily could have done this for, for another hour, hour and a half. Oh, easily. And I, I, he's a big hockey fan, which I am too. I'm from Canada. If you didn't know, I'm from Canada. And <laughs> I wanted to, if he's listening to this, I just wanted to tell him, I wanted to ask him who has more and better history, Montreal or Detroit? I think Montreal, but we won't say anything about that. See, you're doing this when he's not even here to defend. He can't even defend the Red Wings. (laughs) (laughs) So, Jamie, he's also, we we didn't mention it, um, and I wanted to mention it. He's on a podcast. Yeah, that that was one of the questions I I wanted to talk to it because his podcast, Talking Tunes, is one of my must listen shows. I think it's, it's just phenomenal. I mean, if you're. A fan of his, it's a no-brainer. But if you have any interest in um, animation or or voice voiceover voice acting, mm-hmm. um, it it's just it's this it's a fascinating insight into the industry, and it's just crazy entertaining because it's right. basically it's just him um, and his friends because he knows everybody, and he, they just come on and they just talk. You know, they just they reminisce, they talk memories, they they talk about what they're doing now, they talk about you know they just share stories like. And it's just you laugh and you learn a lot, too. And it's but the laughing is the most important Mm -hmm. thing. I mean, it's there are a lot of podcasts out there that um, are not worth the uh, the subscribe (laughs) click. We're one. (laughs) (laughs) Talking Tunes is absolutely a second. So if you guys have not been listening along, go check it out. Click subscribe and just start. He's been doing it for years now. And there's there's a hefty backlog. So for our for our first ever what are we listening to segment? (laughs) Yeah, talking tunes. We're gonna put talking tunes in it. Yeah. Um please tell me he's had Tony Bancroft on his show. Because I feel like that would be an awesome episode. You know, I know he's had Tad Stones on. Okay. Uh, not exactly sure if he's had Tony on. Well, we're going to have to suggest that to him. I yes. <laughs> Tell him how to do his podcast. <laughs> you know, he's really, he hasn't been doing it for like yeah, five years. Exactly. <laughs> he, he doesn't have, you know, a bigger audience or anything probably. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for coming this week. As always, we are so thankful that you take the time to download, take the time to listen and subscribe. 
If you liked what you heard, please send us a tweet. Please send us an email. I don't know how you can email us, but <laughs> find our email somehow. Um, send us a tweet at the GVB podcast. Send us a Facebook message, facebook.com slash the GBB podcast. And you can also call us. You can call us. You can call us at 301-825-5653. Alternatively, you could just uh, send uh, send Rob a tweet and mm-hmm. let him know uh, that you listened to him, that you heard him on the show, and that you really enjoyed it. Hopefully you really enjoyed it. And then but, when you're uh, done, write a review. You know, Do all those things <laughs> Okay, us. we're asking way too much. Yeah, we are. Okay, if you're going to do one thing... Let Rob know. Let Rob you know like you liked him. If you're going to do two things, write a review. No. <laughs> come right, back guys. next week. And then come back next week and you can do the other two things. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much. Have a great week. I'm Justin Connors at 140 Justin C. And I'm Jamie Green <laughs> at The Robots. Take and, care. And you've been great, big, beautiful podcasted. Goodbye. <laughs> this podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad.